This is an ABC podcast. My heart just dropped and I think I think I was in shock. I didn't even have to look around the room because I could feel it. You know how you can feel the tension and the awkwardness in the room? That's reporter Alice Matthews. And this is Days Like These. I'm Faz Draki. Today, Alice is telling us the story of her 30th birthday party. The venue was kind of nestled at the edge of a cliff overlooking the Blue Mountains. And it had looked like it was going to rain or maybe it had started to rain and very ominous. And then this beautiful sunset came out. That's my dear friend Dave from work. Kind of looked like a place out of the shining, like just that place on the hill that looks too nice to be there. And my old housemate, John. The alcohol is flowing, lubricating everyone a little bit. And I'm looking around and I'm thinking, this is exactly what I wanted. Everyone was so excited. There were probably about 45 people there. I had my high school friends, my family, my uni friends, my work friends there too. So, you know, a table full of journalists like Dave. Everyone was all in the same room. Everyone was dressed up. My brothers got up. Yeah, because he, like, he was crying and he was crying and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because he was saying how you were like a second mum to him and it was just like, oh. Growing up, you were much more. You were a brother to me when I had no one to play for you with. The best mate when I had no one to play for you with. And a sister when I needed fashion advice before I went on dates. Sis, have a great night. We love you. Cheers, Alice. I remember your partner, Carla, got up. And, and made a really lovely speech. Alice came into my life like, uh, like a bluster of some rare bird, I think. <laughs> After that, my girlfriends from high school collected videos from a few friends who couldn't be there because of lockdowns and border closures. Happy birthday, Alice. Happy 30th. Woo. Really sad that I couldn't be there to celebrate with you. And it's just this incredible feeling of love in the room. And then the girls hit play on the next video and the whole mood changed. The video was from my childhood friend, Tessa. We became friends at towards the end of primary school when neither of us got put in a dorm with our friendship groups that we wanted to be in dorms with. I was just this little brown kid with big front teeth and my hair was a little frizzy and Tessa, we just spoke the same language and we just understood each other. When I saw her video pop up, I thought, oh, hello. Um, And then from memory, she sort of says, I finally get to get you back for my 21st or or I finally, here's here's revenge or something. Nine long years. Nine long years is 
how much time I've waited for this moment. I'm not sure if you remember, but nine years ago, alas, you stood up on the stage at my 21st and read out one of our letters that I wrote to you in confidence and publicly shamed me in front of my nearest and dearest. Well, today, alas, is your day. I was prepared for a bit of ribbing. We used to write letters to each other all the time because we went to the same primary school and then we went to different high schools. So we just started sending each other letters, really long ones, and really frequently, even though we lived a suburb apart. We had this really close friendship. So when it got to her 21st birthday, I unearthed some of those letters and I read out a couple of lines from a few. Why doesn't he love me? Is there something wrong with me? I think about him all the time. We really need to pick up guys these holidays. You know, in that kind of step, it was cringy and embarrassing for sure. So what she was about to do was getting me back for that, and fair enough. But the letters she chooses to read go beyond melodramatic love and teenage self-worth. They're full of the kind of stuff that you lock away in your bottom drawer and never look at again. I have made a discovery. When you call people fat, they get cut. Even when they so aren't. Well, but seriously, just start calling someone fat and after a while, they'll have a sook. Lol. Except not to fat people, because, um, well, you know, if you call a fat person fat, Bolivia, here I come. (laughs) What the f***? My heart just dropped. And I think, I think I was in shock. Fat shaming, joking about eating disorders, it's just... Not only wrong, it's so cruel. I was an asshole. And I just remember putting my finger, my fingertips to my temples, my eyes just so wide. Oh, I was just so mortified and I was so embarrassed and, to be honest, ashamed. I was so ashamed. And it kept going. Do you like my background drawings? Now I have to keep crapping on about nothing so I can complete this smiley face, which is gay bar. Anyway, which reminds me, Liam is so gay. My high school friends that were showing it saw me and and stopped it. Yeah, I hit pause because I just panicked, I think. That's one of my best friends, Ness. I looked at you... And I was pretty shocked and, like, just I had this weird, like, butterfly kind of moment where I was just, like, cut this, like, right now. And that was one of my oldest and closest friends, Haley. She hadn't seen the video prior, but Ness and our other best friend, Tash, had. And they realised quickly they made a mistake. Sick. Like, I felt sick. Like, I was like, fuck. Okay, well, now we're not never going to be friends again and she's going to hate us forever and she's just, like, everything's ruined pretty much just because, like, of this 
we just I just didn't think it through I don't think it was kind of like watching yeah a car crash happen in real time in a lot of ways I didn't want to see or hear anymore I'd wanted it to stop as well but I also believed for a moment that surely she would move on to some kind of explanation that that she would be able to flip it so I told them to keep going and I'm waiting for it to get better and it just doesn't. Liam is so gay, lol. Don't you reckon? So gay. Ew, what was I thinking? <laughs> so gay. Why, why, why did I talk like that? I identify as queer now, but I did use that term in a derogatory way for ages, probably longer than I care to admit. It's just unacceptable. And then I heard this boisterous and loud laugh and I looked over at my old housemate, John, who's clearly, you know, like, what the hell is going on? He's furious. Well, I mean, I wasn't laughing because it was funny. It was f- <laughs> Your best friend for life, Alice, Cheryl, Jay, lol. Al, Ali, Hillary, Cece, Blackie, Shaniqua, Lakeisha, <laughs> The last thing she read out was me signing off, referring to myself using a string of black American names because I was the brown one in the group at school and somehow I thought that would be okay. Again, I'm an asshole. But in all seriousness... Happy birthday, Alice. I love you very, very much. And I'm sure I can speak on behalf of everyone when I say I'm so glad you're no longer the body-shaming, homophobic racist you once were (laughs) when you were 12. (laughs) Love your bitch. I didn't even have to look around the room because I could feel it. You know how you can feel the tension and the awkwardness in the room? The reactions I saw were just like, oh, this is not good. Like, you know, it was... There was a... People... People were laughing. Some of them... We're kind of going, oh, rough, rough, like, oh. Hayley remembers mixed feelings. After the speeches, she describes sitting on the toilet, listening to guests discuss the video in the bathroom. Others were going, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought this is a very real moment because I thought back to myself at that age and I was thinking, yeah, I probably would have used similar language. It's just not content to be aired in front of a room of people. Like, it's really, it was in poor taste. John, my old housemate, was mad at Tessa, but he was also pissed at my friends and he confronted Ness. And then that's what I said to her. I said, that was a fucking stupid thing to do. Why would you do that? Like, that was really dumb. Like, that was shit. I was just, I, I just didn't know what to say, I think, because I was already feeling really bad about it. And um, just, like, bursting into tears. I was, like, running down my face, just being like, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and he was just still going at me and I was like cool yeah thank you and then I just like I just got up and then went into the bathroom so my best friends were upset completely devastated over hitting play actually John was angry and Dave Dave from work was just trying to mediate everyone it was nothing it was, it was fine it was don't worry about don't worry about it, it. Don't worry about it. I was worried my 12-year-old words had hurt people, had shocked them, had made my friends think of me differently. And I just thought to myself, how am I going to come back from this? I have to say sorry. (laughs) The next thing I remember is my one of my little nephews was playing with the microphone. And I was like, oh, no, you need to give that to me because I need to talk now. (laughs) And so I kind of wrestled the microphone from, I don't know, a six-year-old and stood up and just said, I didn't expect to be starting my own 30th speech with an apology, but I have to say I'm so, so sorry. But once I'd said that speech, I went to the bar and just said, give me the strongest cocktail that you, you can make. I need to forget about this and move on. (laughs) But I spent a lot of the night, like, almost seeking validation from people, like, oh, my gosh, that was terrible. Like, how bad was it? If I'm going to be frank, it was bad. I'd be mortified if someone read that out at my party. If it happened to me, I would be really upset. Like, we were pretty self-indulgent little fucks that didn't really understand the gravity of our words. Yeah, I would have, I would have cut them off, for sure. Yeah. So, um, are you and Tessa still mates? Before I get to Tessa, I want to go back to my high school friends who saw the video in advance. Oh, God. Oh, God, even thinking about it now, I'm like, why? Why? This whole thing is still more triggering for them. But I understand that watching it in private would have been so different to seeing it play out to an entire room full of people. I know how sorry they are. You know, it's one of those moments that you wish you can just go back and then be like, nah. Uh, It just, this whole thing just could have been nothing. The next day, I'm lying on the couch. It's pretty warm, but I'm still wrapped in a blanket, hung over as all hell, watching Twilight, of all things. I don't know, probably trying to escape. There was possibly a takeaway burger situation. But I recall looking down at my phone at a text from Tessa asking about the video. And I just couldn't bring myself to write back. I just kept watching... Edward and Bella, and I wasn't ready to have that conversation because how does a friendship stay the same after something like that? As the days went on, the burden got bigger and bigger and Tessa and I eventually spoke on the phone maybe a week after I finished watching the Twilight movies and I explained to her that it was, well, it was awful. And to her credit, she immediately apologised. 
But things weren't quite right. I hung up the phone and even though we have kept in touch, there's been an elephant in the room and an awkwardness and the feeling that things aren't really the way they used to be. It's more than two years later now and we haven't spoken about it since that day. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Oh my God. As ready as I can be. Tessa and I are now sitting together, both of us about to watch the video back for the first time. Nine long years. Nine long years. I can tell she's so uncomfortable as we sit and listen. We both are, actually. And after two long minutes and one second, it's finally coming to an end. I love your bitch. (laughs) Oh, God. How do you feel about it? I hate it. I hate that video so much. Why? It just doesn't land at all. I don't know how there was any part of me that thought that would work. I didn't, there's no warmth in it. I think that's what, I think that's what shocked, surprised me the most, is that it felt, it felt mean. And cold. Yeah, what the hell? I, it was, it's bad, but I don't think it was as bad as what it was in my head. I think it was much worse in my head. Oh, I don't know. I feel like that. Can I swear? Yeah. I, I even look like a bitch. <laughs> Tessa says that video is so hard to watch now. And to be clear, it wasn't really an attempt at revenge. But she says she can see that it came across that way. And I've felt immediate regret. Uh, and I have never felt regret before in my whole life. Like you could have, there are so many stories. We have so many great stories and memories. I'm getting teary now, but I, yeah, I do. I still, I feel really bad because it's just not how you should have felt on your birthday or ever. I know she wasn't going for a character assassination. And after finally properly talking about it, I really do believe this experience has actually been worse for her. I definitely overanalyzed um, every interaction we had and was really afraid that I'd done something that was going to forever change the nature of our friendship. And so I've had lots of nightmares. (laughs) And she's battled with that little voice, the one that comes up with lame excuses when you know in your heart of hearts that you've messed up. She says that voice is shame talking. At one point, um, shame was lingering on for too long. Um, I then would have moments of, you know, getting defensive with myself on that and thinking, you know, can't you take a joke? It wasn't helpful. One thing Tessa really wanted to say to me was that she wasn't making light or laughing about the contents of my letters. She sent me a voicemail after we spoke. I see you as someone that is so not that and I didn't remember you ever like that. And so that was the bit, it was that sort of tension, that irony of, um, wow, this is not at all who you are and who I know you to be. Um, That was the bit that I found humorous. I can understand that. I really can. Sometimes it's funny to compare now and then, to look back on how melodramatic, how naive, how unsophisticated you were. 
But the reason it's funny is that you're taking someone down a peg by punching up. You're saying, OK, big shot, let's see how cool you really are. And then, you know, showing a terrible outfit or some bad songwriting. Reading out my racist, homophobic, body-shaming comments doesn't do that. It makes them seem like they're not problematic in the same way pining over a boy or wearing three-quarter jeans isn't problematic. I think what Tessa forgot in the heat of making that video is because those things were hurtful then, they remain hurtful now. She forgot that. And she knows that. In the years following my 30th, Tessa became a counsellor. And this has eaten away at her particularly because of her profession. It's also the reason she's been able to do this story. She has an emotional intelligence that allows her to own mistakes, process them and learn from them. A lot of the time what can stop us from apologising is the fact that we didn't intend our behaviour to have the effect that it has. That our intention wasn't to hurt, but actually that's not relevant. Of course I didn't intend to make you feel the way that you felt, but I was careless. I was thoughtless in the sense of its full impact. And that's the bit that I needed to acknowledge. And so as a counsellor, I wanted to ask Tessa, how do I reconcile my awful 12-year-old self with the person I am today? Because I hate that teenage girl. I wish she wasn't me. Hey, she's a part of you. A part of what you should be proud of, actually. Sure, we could focus on what she didn't know, but also you could focus on her capacity for change which is pretty remarkable. Our letters capture so much of that change. They're a snapshot of this uninhibited, open, dedicated friendship. They're love letters. We share something that can't be broken. I can't even begin to put on paper what life would be like if we did have each other. To my dear, dear friend Alice, I don't know how to write down how much I love you because it's way too much to write down. High school will change nothing. If we argue, I'm sorry. If I ever hurt you, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter what is right and wrong. But to tell you the truth, you've kind of changed. Please help our friendship try to stay together because it's slipping away. I can feel it. Tess, if I have changed, how have I changed? Is it for the better or for the worse? Our friendship will never slip away, never. Alice, it's been too long since I've written to you. It's been too long since I've spoken to you. It's been too long since I've seen you. I want to promise you that next year, even though you're going overseas, I will make the effort to keep in touch. I want to tell you now that I will always be here no matter what. You don't have to worry. If you're ever lost, I'll help you find your way. If, you, if your world ever seems dark and empty, I'll brighten it. <laughs> I will be by your side always and forever, no matter what. You know, this... I want to speak about something that... that um, to, to speak to the, the quality and the value and the depth of this relationship that has stayed with me. So about four years ago now or five years ago now, um, I was in a relationship. I'd been in that relationship for about five years. And out of nowhere one day, um, my ex-partner woke up and decided he didn't want to be with me anymore. Um, And I was living in London at the time. I remember one night I 
was struggling to get to sleep. I was crying so much. And I called you up and you could hear me sort of crying and, and um, you knew what it, you knew that we'd broken up. And you were like, are you okay? Are you all right? And I, and I sort of, between tears, sort of said, I just want to be able to go to sleep. And you said, okay, how about I read you Harry Potter? And Chapter one. You did. The boy who lived. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four. You, I was crying and you read me Harry Potter from the beginning until I fell asleep. And you just waited until you couldn't hear me anymore and you hung up. And that's how I got to sleep. It was... (laughs) I remember that. It's like one of the most beautiful things that I have ever, one of the most beautiful ways a friend has supported me. You knew me so well that you knew that what I needed then was to not talk about the heartbreak, to not talk about what I was feeling, that you just, I just needed a distraction. (laughs) That's the story I should have told at your 30th. (laughs) And I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. That was reporter Alice Matthews. Special thanks to Tessa Blenko for being open to sharing this with the world. As well as Vanessa Long, Hayley McPherson, John Schmidt and Dave Marchese. Our sound engineer on this episode was Nathan Turnbull. Our executive producer is the wonderful Sophie Townsend. This episode was made on the lands of the Ngunnawal people. And if you want more of Days Like These, take a listen to all our stories on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. We've got pirates, mountain climbers, dog rescuers, musicians and comedians. There are stories about romance, escaping war, reunions, even getting struck by lightning. You know, everyday life, everyday people and the day where everything changed. I'm Farzadraki and I'll catch you next time. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.